Well, back in, back in 1999, I was living in Benton, Louisiana, a little bit outside of the shreveport Bossier area. And in that year, I would say I fished probably 300 of the 365 days. Our, our neighborhood was on a lake or a bayou, and um, down the street was a dock that I had access to. And just almost every day after school, I'd go to that dock and I would fish. Well, one day um, after school, a buddy said, hey, do you want to go, do you want to go to the Red River and to fish for striped bass? And I was like, that sounds great. And we didn't have cell phones. And the only way we communicated was through pen and paper. And so I got home and I wrote on a piece of paper, gone fishing, put it on the table, hopped in his car and we left, right? So we, we go 30 minutes away and we're fishing. And as we're coming back to town, um, as we're getting closer and closer, there's some trees that look like they've been disheveled and then a tree that snapped in half and then some more trees are down. And as we get closer, there are all of these flashing lights and emergency response vehicles and the roads are shut down. And, and I looked at my buddy and I was like, I gotta, I gotta go. So I hopped out of the car and I, I ran home. And as I get past the flashing lights, neighborhoods have been completely leveled. And while I was gone, an F5 tornado ripped through our town and just went up and down the lake. And my, my, my poor mom, I mean, she had um, a note, a tornado, and a missing son. I mean, like the dock that I was normally at, gone. And so she's like, my son's dead. Like, that's it. And I'm like, hey, mom. She's like, is it a ghost? Right? But when you, when you talk to people who are there, when you talk to, to my, my parents, my sisters, like when you talk to the people in the neighborhood, the two things they would talk about is the siren, the tornado warning, and then how quickly the sound of the freight train came. It's like, like there was the siren, and before we could do anything, the freight train had come, the tornado had come. And so what you realize, when a tornado happens, the siren is not meant for you to lollygag around. When you hear the siren, it's meant for you to stop where you're going, to stop what you're doing, and to go and take shelter, right? Well, today, as we're in Revelation chapter 8 and 9, we're going to hear some sirens. We're going to hear some warnings. The alarm is sounding, and it's for the purpose of saying, stop what you're doing, stop where you're going, and turn towards Christ, find shelter in Him. And so as we read about these seven trumpets, I want you guys to see what they're about and how God is using them to get your attention for where you are and what you might be doing. So um, Revelation chapter 8 um, and chapter 9. So let me, let me catch you up because maybe you're new to Redeemer, maybe you've missed a couple of Sundays. Let me, let me catch you up. In the first three chapters of Revelation, it's actually pretty normal. I mean, these first three chapters read like most letters in the New Testament where there's encouragement for what the church is doing well, there's correction for where the church is not doing well. But then in chapter four, everything changes as John is called up to heaven in a vision where he gets a perspective of history from, from Jesus' side, where he's able to see how history is unfolding or how history is going to unfold. And things begin to get more symbolic, more apocalyptic, a little more intense. Well, in chapters 6 and 7, we read about seven seals. And you're like, like are these like seals in the ocean? No, no, no. This is a, a scroll that could, contains an important message from God. And this scroll has seven wax seals containing it. And Jesus begins to break each one of those seals. And as those seals are broken, more information is revealed about history, right? So by the time we get to chapter 8, the seventh seal has been broken, and there's silence in heaven. Heaven just goes silent. But if you read prophetic literature in the Old Testament, when there's silence, what follows 
is judgment, right? So there is silence and there's this expectation of judgment is about to come. And that's kind of where we pick up in chapter 8, verse 6. So let's start in verse 6. Or chapter, yeah, chapter 8, verse 6. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets. So in the silence, seven angels are handed seven trumpets. The seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers. And on the springs of water, the name of the star was Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood. And many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. All right, so, so real quick, um, in Revelation, there are a bunch of sevens. There are seven seals, there are seven trumpets, we're going to read about seven bowls, and the difference, there's different perspectives, different ways of reading about these, and, and I like to compare it to Waffle House versus IHOP, okay? So the question is, is are these, these seven seals preceded chronologically by another event of the seven trumpets, or is this the same event told um, from a different perspective? And so when you think about it, at Waffle House, you order your all-star special, and how do they bring it out to you? Multiple plates, right? You've got a plate for your eggs, a plate for your waffle, a plate for your hash brown, small table, lots of plates, right? And so but they, they chronologically come one after the other, typically. Like, here's your eggs. Like, great. Like, all right, here's your, your waffles ready. They're, they know you're hungry, so it's going to give you food as it comes. But IHOP, you just get a stack of pancakes, just immediately, just boom, stack of pancakes. So kind of one of the interpretive questions is, when we read about the seven seals, is that an event, right? Like plate one, your eggs. And then as we read about the seven trumpets, is that a second plate that follows it, a second event that happens afterwards? Or are the seven seals and the seven trumpets actually the same events just told from a different perspective? So on a timeline, they'd be stacked on top of each other. So I personally believe that this is actually the same event told from a different perspective. I believe the seven seals had a primary audience of Christians. It's talking about suffering in the world, and it's saying, as Christians, we live in a fallen world. And as we live in a fallen world, we have this confidence that Jesus is with us every step of the way. He is by our side, but we are not going to, to escape the suffering in this fallen world. Now, as we shift to the seven trumpets, I believe it's the same period of history, the same events, but now the primary audience is actually non-Christians. It's those who have rejected Christ. And what it's saying for them is in this fallen world, Jesus is not with you. He's not by your side. In fact, the, the stuff that you're experiencing, the brokenness, the darkness, the, the hurt that you were experiencing is actually part of God's judgment 
upon your life, right? And so as you read about these seven trumpets, you'll notice that they, they compare to the plagues in Egypt. So if you read the book of Exodus and you look at Pharaoh's and the people of Egypt's hardened heart towards God and his people, God uses plagues as a sense of judgment upon them. Now in the same way for the audience of those whose hearts are hardened towards God or to an audience of those who have rejected Jesus, we see plagues as a form of judgment coming upon them. So let me explain in the first few verses here just what the, the four trumpets are. All right, we've read about four trumpets I'm going to tell you what they mean. The first trumpet is talking about famine. The second trumpet is talking about fallen nations. The third trumpet is talking about sin. And the fourth trumpet is talking about spiritual darkness. Okay, so there are four trumpets. There is is famine, there is fallen nations, there is sin, and there is spiritual darkness. All right, so the first trumpet that blows is talking about famine. That's verses 6 and 7. We've talked about this already, but famine could be physical, where physical famine is where people experience suffering because people who are in need um, or in poverty lack their basic needs, while people who have wealth would rather protect their luxuries than help those in need. And so they're suffering through physical famine. It also could mean spiritual famine, where we are distracted from what we truly need, Jesus, the bread of life, and we're distracted by an abundance of things we don't need, an abundance of luxuries in this life that keep us from Jesus. So could be physical, could be spiritual, could be both. We've already talked about that, so I'm just going to move on to the second form of judgment. The second trumpet is fallen nations, okay? So in Scripture, mountains are symbolic of kingdoms or nations or power structures, Fire is symbolic of God's judgment. And so what we have is a mountain that's on fire. So we have a fallen kingdom, a fallen nation, a fallen power structure that is being judged by God. This, this fiery mountain falls into the sea, right, where you would fish, where you would, where you would have economic prosperity, and it destroys the sea and it destroys the ships. And so the picture of the sea and the ships is a picture of economic well-being. But we see as nations fall, there is judgment upon their economic well-being. And so the picture here of the second trumpet is once prosperous nations are now becoming economically poor, right? So there's a form of judgment where God will take prosperous nations and allow them to fall, right? And so this, this reminds, like, I'm not saying that we're in the end times. We're a day closer than we were yesterday. But how many people are feeling good about the American dollar right now? I mean, like, the dollar tree is about to be the $2 tree because like, it's like the dollar doesn't go as far as it once did, which shows that we are economically vulnerable. And if you look at most powerful nations in the world today, it doesn't take much to see that every nation has extreme vulnerabilities. And so what we're seeing here is that there will be a day when God will judge nations that were once prosperous by allowing them to economically fall. And so you have fallen nations as a form of judgment. The third trumpet is sin. That's verses 10 and 11, right? So you see this this fallen angel named Wormwood, and then Wormwood corrupts water. Now, Wormwood is a bitter herb, right? Some people even use it in alcoholic cocktails today, but taken in large amounts, Wormwood becomes lethal, okay? So it's something that, like water, is meant to be something you go to that's life-giving, but this water has been made lethal or poisoned by the wormwood, which means you're going to something you think will give you life. And what happens is what you think is giving you life is actually poisoning you from the inside out. 
And so I say sin um, in a very specific way because there is sin that is blatant rebellion against God. It's doing things that he has said you cannot do. And there's another type of sin where you take good things, things that God means to be in, that he wants you to enjoy, that he wants to be life-giving for you as you live this life. But if you take a good thing and elevate it above Jesus and make it an ultimate thing, it becomes a sinful thing. And so the picture here is, is of good things that God wants you to enjoy, you elevating them to the status of ultimate things. And now what the, what's happening is these, these things are poisoning your life. You're going to them thinking that they're giving you joy, thinking that they're giving you fulfillment, thinking that they are satisfying your soul. But if you could see behind the scenes, they're actually poisoning you and they're keeping you, from what you, what, they're keeping you from what you truly need, which is life in Christ, right? So we have famine, we have fallen nations, we have, we have sin, and then the fourth trumpet is spiritual darkness, verse 12. And so when it talks about the sun, the stars, the moon, these things not giving light, it's not talking about a solar eclipse, at least I don't think it is. I think it's talking about spiritual darkness, right? This is the spiritual, the spiritual reality that the first three trumpets lead to, right? This darkness is typically experienced through fear, depression, anxiety, and hopelessness, right? So what was happening here is the fourth trumpet is the culmination of the first three, that, that when you are in spiritual famine, when you're putting your hope in nations or power structures, when you are living in sin, it results in a spiritual darkness, which is experienced through things like fear, anxiety, depression, hopelessness. And if you, if you don't believe me on this, let me just ask you a couple of questions. When you think about spiritual famine, which is having an abundance of things you don't need and missing the thing that you truly need, which is Christ, what happens when you feel like your life just isn't complete and you're, you're scrolling Instagram and you're like, ah, they tagged me for the clothes and you buy the clothes? What happens when you're like, if I just get to the vacation, then I'll feel good, and you, you take the vacation? What happens when you've worked, and you've worked, and you've worked, and you think, if I could just get that promotion, and then you get the promotion, you get the new house, you get the thing that you're kind of, the, the carrot that's dangling in front of you? What happens when you get there, and then it doesn't take long for you to feel like it didn't work? Or you find that your heart is still wanting, right? Like, or what happens when, when you think about fallen nations, what happens when there's a political party or a politician who looks at your social class and says, if you elect me, things will go easier? There's like, I know it's hard to be where you are. I know groceries are expensive. I know inflation is hard. I know interest rates are high. But if, if you elect me, then I will give tax breaks. I will make things easier. What happens when that person gets in power and life doesn't get easier? You're like, ah, like if they can't fix it, then who can? Or, or when you think about sin, Right? What happens when you're living in sin and the things that you think will satisfy you, the things that you think are, are fun, what happens when the fun wears off and the consequences begin to settle in? Where you went on that little binge and all of a sudden it's destroyed your family. It's wrecking your marriage. It's separating you from your kids. All of a sudden you're like, ah, oh, like I didn't know this is where it would end. All of a sudden when these trumpets take their effect, the result is you find yourself in spiritual darkness, which is a form of God's judgment towards us putting our hope in the wrong things. Think, think about it like this. Um, I, was, I was talking to, to someone the other day, and, and they were talking about their plumbing issues at their house. 
And like, like, you're like, oh, like this needs to be fixed and this needs to be fixed and this needs to be fixed. It's like behind the sheetrock is plumbing that's all jacked up. And they're talking about how their shower is, is two pieces and there's a seal and the seal is broken. And very likely what's happened is every time they take a shower, water is dripping behind that wall and hitting the subfloor. You can't see it, but every shower where it looks like water is going down the drain, behind the scenes, there's a slow drip where the wood is softened, where the wood is rotten. And if you could just peel back that sheetrock, if you could peel back and see what's behind the surface, you'd be like, ah, like, like, Bleh! and do you know what that person wants? Do you think they want a fixed house or a new house? They're like, we got to get a new house. Like, like they don't want us a repaired house. Like, we got to get out of here. Let's sell this thing and get out in the country and get some land. Like, we want to get out of this and get a new house. And so what's happening is I feel like so many people, you're, you're living in spiritual famine. You're living with your hope and people in power. You're living in sin where you're taking good things and making ultimate things and taking Jesus out of the picture, and you think your life is fine. Like, how many people are like, my life's pretty good. I think I'm good. I don't think I need Jesus. But if you could see behind the spiritual sheetrock, if you could see behind the curtain, there's this slow drip where those things are destroying you from the inside out. And what's happening is God's saying, look, I'm allowing you to feel the darkness. I'm allowing you to feel the darkness because I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to get a hold of your heart so that you will turn from these things and turn towards me, right? And so what we have to understand is that you can spend your whole life thinking you're fine, but what you can't see is that your spirit is dark and in desperate need for the life that only Jesus can give. And so God will allow you to suffer his judgments to a degree in hopes that he can grab your attention so that you will look to find life in Christ, all right, so, so we have the, the first four trumpets. Now, as we get into chapter nine, we're going to get the, the fifth trumpet. It says, and the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts, on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. Okay, this fifth trumpet is spiritual warfare. Okay, the fifth trumpet is spiritual warfare. We, we see a fallen angel, which could be Satan. In Luke 10, verse 18, Jesus says that he saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So it could be Satan. It could be one of Satan's archangels. But there is a fallen angel, right? And what we see is this angel is given the key to unlock the pit of hell. And what this is showing us is that, that there is a demonic realm, right, that has been restricted to hell, and there is a day when that demonic realm is given access to then infiltrate into our earthly realm. And so this is saying that there will be a day when spiritual warfare is unleashed on earth, where, where hell begins to come up into the world that we are living in. 
Okay, and so the locust here, that, that's, once again, parallels to what we see in Exodus with the plagues. But Joel, who's another Old Testament prophet, in Joel's chapter 1 and 2, he takes military imagery and the, and the symbolism of locust to paint a picture of a demonic army that stands against God and God's people. And so what this is showing us is that we live in a world where there is demonic warfare happening all around us. But who are these demons attacking? If these locusts are demons, who are they attacking? It says they're attacking those who do not have the seal of God. And we already talked about the seal of God is the Holy Spirit, right? So these are people who are not sealed by the Holy Spirit. These are non-Christians. So there is a, an intense warfare that is going to be unleashed on those who have rejected Christ. Someone asked me, they said, does, Jeff, does this mean that Christians cannot be attacked spiritually? Because it says that these demons are only going to attack those who are not sealed. So if you are sealed, does that mean you're safe? Does that mean that d- demons cannot attack you? And that's another sermon. But the answer is demons absolutely can attack Christians, right? If, you, if demons could not attack us, we would not be told to put on the armor of God. If demons could not attack us, we would, we would not be told to resist the devil, right? So we absolutely can be attacked. The good news for us is that because Satan has been dethroned and Christ has been enthroned, no demonic warfare can ever separate us from the love of God. No demonic warfare can ever destroy those who are sealed, but we absolutely can be attacked. But what we see here is that for the non-Christian, the demonic have the power to keep you separate from the love of God. The, the demonic warfare that non-Christians will go through has the power to destroy them, not just in this life, but for all eternity. We'll get a little bit more into that here in a second. So look, look at verse 7. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces. Their hair like women's hair and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have a king over them and the angel of the bottomless pit, his name in Hebrew is Abaddon and in Greek he is called Apollyon. And so both those words in Hebrew and Greek mean destroyer. Okay, and so what we see here in verses 7 through 11 is you'll see the word like used eight times. And the reason why John keeps saying like is because there's nothing in, in our human vocabulary, there's nothing in this world that we have to fully paint the picture of what he's seeing. So he's taking human language and he's stretching it and trying to help us to understand that what's happening here is beyond our comprehension. But it's, it's like a horse. It's like a scorpion. It's like lion's teeth. It's like this because he's, he's trying to give us a perspective. And these combinations do two things, okay? One, what we see here is that the combination is not natural. If you ever see a horse mixed with a scorpion, not natural, okay? And so the not natural combination so that these creatures or these beings are supernatural beings. Like I said, they are demonic beings. And the picture, the combinations are also hideous, right? It's, it's like Jake from State Farm. It's like, they sound hideous. Well, they're demons, right? Like, it's like these things are hideous because they are to be feared. We don't have to fear if we're sealed with the Holy Spirit because they can't separate us from God's love. But for the non-Christian, it should be terrifying to know that there is a demonic force in this world that is seeking to destroy your life, okay? So Christians can never be destroyed. 
But that truth is not true for those who've rejected Christ. That's why non-Christians need to hear this and to see it as a tornado siren, as an alarm, as something that is warning them to stop what they're doing, to stop where they're going, and to find shelter in Christ. If we keep reading, we get to the sixth trumpet in verses 13 through 21. Um, for sake of time, I'm just going to tell you what this is. is this, is this is a second wave of spiritual warfare. It's more intense spiritual warfare. So where the first wave of spiritual warfare, the demonic is not allowed to kill humans. It's, it's attacking but not allowed to kill. When this sixth trumpet comes, it gets more intense where the demons are now allowed to take human life. Right? So as, as we read this in Revelation, like, Jeff, this is crazy stuff. I'm not coming back to your church, right? Like, this is crazy stuff. Like, I want us to see what's the response, okay? And the response is twofold. We know that Revelation is written to churches. It's written to Christians. So there is a Christian response to the judgments that non-Christians receive. But there's also a response for those who are here who have never trusted in Christ. And so I want, I want to unpack the two responses. So first, let me talk to those who are Christians. Let me talk to those who have put their faith in Christ. As we read about these judgments... Let me ask you a question. Have you ever looked at people who aren't following Jesus and thought they're having more fun or they're getting more out of life? Like, have you, have you ever looked at your, your friends or your family or your neighbors, those who aren't following Christ and just thought, man, like, I feel like they're living it up. I feel like they're getting more out of life. I mean, they're, like, they, they're, they're not giving 10% of their income to the church. They're taking that and taking vacations. Like, I wish I could take vacations. Like, right, have you ever done that, just me? I guess some of the heathen in the room, right? Like, like I've, I've thought it. I've been like, man, if, like, think about it like this. If you weren't following Christ, what in your life would change? Like, if you weren't following Jesus, what would be different? Right, would your Friday nights look different? Would your neighborhood look different? Would your vacations look different? Like, would your wardrobe look different? If you weren't following Christ, what would look different? You see, for us as Christians, the judgments in chapters 8 and 9 remind us that life apart from Christ is nothing to envy. As we read these judgments, we should see that, hey, like that life that we see other people living is nothing to envy. And if we compromise, it doesn't lead to life, it leads to spiritual darkness. Compromise does not lead to life, it leads to darkness. So for the Christian, this is a call to stay faithful. As you see the judgments that those who have rejected Christ receive, this is a call for us to not to compromise, not to envy, but to stay faithful to Christ. All right, but what about non-Christians? Like, if you're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus, what does this mean for you? Well, as we've read, you might have heard the, the phrase a third multiple times. A third, a third, a third. And, and so that could be literal. Um, it could be symbolic. It could be both. But what it's communicating to us is that God is holding back more than he's letting forth. So when it comes to judgment, God is holding back more than he's letting forth for the purpose of trying to get your attention. You see, th th this, what he is letting forth is meant to grab hold of your attention to warn you to say, hey, this is just a taste of what's to come. What's in the future is way worse. 
way worse, but there is time. The siren is going. The freight train has not yet come. There is time to stop what you're doing, to stop where you're going, and to turn towards Christ. I think about the boy who cried wolf, right? False alarm, false alarm, false alarm. I want you to know that nothing you experience from the brokenness of this world is a false alarm. Every taste of brokenness or darkness you experience this side of eternity is for the purpose of grabbing your attention for God to say, come to me. I am the giver of life. Let me wrap up with this. And this is, this is a wrap up for both Christians and non-Christians. Here's, here's my fear. Okay, I've been wrestling, wrestling with this all week. I'm going to do my best to try to explain it. But my fear is this. How many of us are experiencing spiritual darkness? Not just non-Christians, but even Christians. How many, how many people today are like in a state of feeling fear, feeling anxiety, feeling, feeling depressed, feeling, feeling hopeless? Like how many of us are in a state of saying like, I, I just feel broke I feel like God has me in this dark place. And yeah, spiritual darkness is kind of where I'm living. And so here's here's my fear is how many of us are experiencing spiritual darkness and throwing everything at it but Jesus, right? We're in a place where we know things aren't right. And what do we do? We throw money at it. We throw medication at it. We throw therapy at it, and we're throwing everything but Jesus. I mean, like, it's just not working. I mean, the amount of times I've had people in my office who said, I've done counseling over and over and over again. My marriage is still a wreck. I'm just calling it quits. You'd be shocked because the money, the meds, and the therapy is just a Band-Aid to the ultimate need of Jesus. And let me, let me I don't want to get in too much hot water here. I am not anti-having a good time. I'm actually not even anti-medication, and I'm actually pro-counseling. I think it's so good for us to have perspective of how our lives have shaped who we have become. I think it's so helpful to have language to walk through and process your emotions. I think it's so needed to have tools to work through the stuff we deal with in life. So I am not anti-medication. I am actually pro-counseling. But if we go to these things and miss Jesus, we miss it all. If we go to these things to distract ourselves from our ultimate need, which is Christ and Christ alone, it might work for a time. It might even work for this lifetime, but it will not work for eternity. And so my fear is, is how many of us are in broken, dark places and we're going to everything but Jesus. So today, like my, my plead for us is to, to realize and recognize and just call a spade a spade. The world is filled with brokenness. The world is filled with darkness. But Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And he stepped into darkness to give us life. You see, your hearts, your souls are longing for peace. They're literally dying for peace. And Jesus comes as the sustainer and giver of life. Let's not miss Jesus because Jesus is our only hope for the darkness we experience in this world. God, thank you for your word. As we come before you today in response, God, don't let us miss Jesus God, for those who are in you, for those who are Christians, for those who are disciples and saints and followers and believers, God, 
we still feel the brokenness of this life. God, let us come to you first and foremost. Let us find our life in you more than anything else. God, let us use the other things as means of your grace, but let us not find our ultimate hope in them. Let us hope in you above all else. And Father, for those who are here today who have never trusted in you, God, I'm thankful you've allowed them to experience brokenness because I believe that it's a means of your grace, a means of grabbing their attention. So Father, if there's anyone in here today who's never trusted in you, God, would you let them just have the spiritual reality that this is a taste of something worse to come, but it's a warning that they can find life in you today. So God, draw anyone who's never put their faith in you, draw them to your heart as only you can. Father, it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. 